If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Matthew. And today it's a familiar text, and I'm going to read more than I normally do. Uh, We're going to look in verses 14 through 30 in chapter 25 of the Gospel of Matthew. (laughs) Uh, If you feel like this is a little offensive, um, pray about it. Talk to the Lord about it. If you still feel like it's a little offensive, pray more about it. In 1969... It was printed in the Abingdon Press, a story about a man who had, a man who said, if I had a little more money, I'd give it to God. But I just have enough for myself and my family. This same man went on to say, if I had some extra time, I'd give it to God. But every minute is taken up with my job, my family, my clubs, and what have you, every single minute. And this same man went on to say, and if I had a talent, I'd give it to God. But I have no lovely voice. I have no special skill. I've never been able to lead a group. I can't think cleverly or quickly the way that I think I should. And God was touched by this. Although it was unlike him, God gave the man money, time, and a glorious talent. And then God waited and waited and waited. Then after a while, he just shrugged his shoulders and took all those things right back from the man. The money, the time, and the talent. After a while, the man sighed and said, If I only had some of that money back, I'd give it to God. If I only had some of that time back, I'd give it to God. If I could only rediscover this glorious talent that I once had, I'd give it to God. And God said, oh, shut up. Do you ever feel God saying that to you? (laughs) The man told some of his friends, you know what? I don't know if I believe in God anymore. Out of nothing God had done, but simply out of his refusal to use what God had given him. You know, too often, we want God to bless us with more. But the truth is, we're not faithful With what he's already given us. There lies the problem. So that would say that the problem is not with God. The problem is with us. When we look in today's text, we begin to see a problem with a servant. 
And the Bible tells us, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord whose the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord, of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went to went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and, my, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take, the, therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As we pray, let these words sink in, would you? God, we do come before you right now, trusting you, calling upon you and depending on you today. For God, we need you. We need your help. Speak to us clearly. God, speak to us in a way that we're... This message can be delivered by you in a way that you would have it to. God, we need your grace. We need your mercy. And as you speak to us, God, help us. Help us to seek you in everything. 
and to trust you in all things. If there's someone here today who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, I'll speak to them throughout this service. And God will praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This familiar passage, it takes place a couple of days before Jesus and his disciples would go into Jerusalem to observe the Passover. This Passover, this particular Passover would be the last the disciples would observe with Jesus. So Jesus was on the Mount of Olives when he began to teach his disciples about his second coming. He speaks of signs of the end of times. His coming as the son of man and the fact that no one knows what day or hour he will come. He then begins to teach in parables concerning how we are to live our lives until he returns to receive us unto himself. Parables such as the ten virgins, which teach us how to prepare and to watch for the day of his return. And in today's text, we notice the parable of the talents. This passage teaches us that while we're here on earth, we're to be faithful stewards of what the Lord has given to us. Can I help you? This isn't a typical message on tithing. Breathe. (laughs) And help me a little bit. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is like the man in this parable, traveling to a far country. Because of Jesus' resurrection, he ascended back to heaven where he is now seated at the right hand of God. He is in a far country away from us. But one day, he's coming back. One day, he's coming back to receive his bride. He's returning to receive his church. He's coming back for those who have placed their faith in him as Lord and Savior. But until then, you know, I love that song. That Charles, is it Charles Johnson sings, Until Then? I just love that song. But until he returns, he calls us to serve him. He's calling us to love him, to live for him, and to share him in this dark world. And he expects us to be faithful in our service to him. And if we are going to be faithful stewards, then we cannot serve out of fear. You cannot be a faithful steward serving out of fear. You know, there's a risk in good stewardship. There is a risk that you have to take. And if you want to be a good steward, you must be willing to take the risks. Notice in this passage, we've been given a responsibility. Each one of us. The passage here, in this passage, there's a man 
that we'll be traveling. He's, and he called his own servants to himself. The word used here for servants is the same that would be used for bond servant. Another word for that would be slave. So he's called his own slaves to him. Three slaves, three servants, three bond servants, three men who belonged to him. Three men whom he had a relationship with. Yes, his relationship may have been master and slave, but that's our relationship to Jesus Christ. We belong to him. He called these men to distribute to them his goods. What he had he was going, he's giving it to these men. His property had to be looked after of while he was away. <sighs> you know, Jesus has left us his Holy Spirit, as Brother Don shared with us earlier. And we are to look after through the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own might, not in our own power, not in our own intelligence. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're to look after the souls of men. So the Bible says he gave these men talents. The talent spoken of in this text does not refer to a coin. It refers to a weight. So one way to look at this is maybe it's a bag of coins that produce the weight of a talent. So think of it in this way. He gives one servant five bags each bag totaling the weight of a talent. He gives to another servant two bags, and each bag totaling the weight of a talent. And then to the third servant, he, give, he gave one. I'm going to stop right here, and I'm going to help you parents out. Now, if you don't amen me with this... <laughs> I might not help you out again. <laughs> if you have parents who are alive and God has blessed them to own property, God has blessed them to own something that's been put away, don't think that you're entitled to what they have. Don't even think that they have to be fair in distributing what they have. The master here chose, he decided how much he was going to give to each servant. He didn't say that one servant was better than the other, but he said according to their ability, he gave to each. So this idea that we as children who have parents says that mom and dad's got to be fair. They got to give me what they give the other. If they give you breath, if they give you food, if they've given you clothes, if they've given you shelter, they don't owe you nothing else. Everything else is a bonus. And you be grateful for what you do get. Oh, I can help y'all again. <laughs> I can help somebody again. We, I got to get off this. I got to get off this, but I got to say this. You know, I know where we're at. I know who we are as, as, as predominantly in here, we're Lumbee people. And it's just been over the last several years or last few years that maybe, just maybe, that, we've, that our parents and our grandparents have, have 
pro- have, have prospered so to where they could give something, whether it's a home, whether it's a piece of property, whether it's a little bit of money, and there's no reason to be fighting over that. We ought to be just thanking God that we've been blessed the way we've been blessed. You know who has the least amount to worry over? Are those who've left nothing because they don't have nothing to fight over. So parents, enjoy the rest of your life. If you've given your children an opportunity in this life, you've given them more than they deserve. Now, let me get off of that. That's not in my notes. This servant or this master, he chose, he decided what he was going to give to these men. And he gave according to their ability. Now, this tells me two things. That the master expected something in return. This tells me that he expected them to do something profitable, positive with what he gave them. It also tells me that he knew them. And he knew what they were capable of. He knew what they had the ability to do. So he gave accordingly. (laughs) You know, there are times in our lives when we just, we may feel that we're in over our heads. Have you ever felt that way? It may seem that we just can't do what God's called us to do. I want to assure you today that within ourselves, we cannot do what God's called us to do. But I'm reminded of what God told Jeremiah. He told him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And when Jeremiah rebuked and said, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I am just a youth. The Lord told Jeremiah, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all nations that I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you, and I will deliver you, says the Lord. Listen, folks, whatever God's called us to do, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be in fear. All we have to do is be the vessel he wants us to be, the vessel he wants to use. You know, brothers and sisters, listen, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had to depart from this world. As a matter of fact, it's said in Scripture, he says it's expedient that I go away. In other words, it's necessary for you that I go away. But he didn't leave us comfortless. He sent his Holy Spirit to live within us, to dwell with us, and he's always with us. That's why Jesus could say, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, because he, the Holy Spirit, will always be with us. So Jesus left us in this world among souls who were dead in the trespass of sin. But he has given us the gospel message. And he has uniquely gifted each one of us to share the gospel. Not your gospel, not my gospel, but his gospel message. Whether we do it in song, whether we do it from a teaching lectern, whether we do it from a pulpit like this, whether we do it in conversation in the mall or in in a restaurant or, or in a fast food line, we are to share his gospel. That's our responsibility. It's our responsibility 
to share it faithfully within the giftedness that he has given us. I don't, I'm, I can't be Mike Cummins. I wished I, I wished I could preach like that man, but I'm not him. I can't be like Billy Graham. I wished I could move crowds like he did, but I, I'm just not that man. I, 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 all I can do is be me. And if I be me, I can be the very best me there is because no one else can be me. All you have to do is be you and God will do great things through you. So let me ask, how faithful have we been in fulfilling our responsibility? Personally, personally, would your family, your neighbors, your coworkers describe you as someone who loves the gospel? Would they testify that, that you live the gospel? Have they heard you share the gospel? That's something we all have to struggle with. We all have to come to terms with that, with those facts. But corporately, as a church, we're here as a body of believers. We're here today as a family. Would this community and the surrounding communities, would they describe this church as a place where the love of God is experienced? Would they testify that the people here love the Lord because the gospel is lived out in our lives? Has this church reached out to our community and communities to share the gospel message? If we have not, we have not faithfully fulfilled our responsibility. But there's still life in us. So while breath is in us and while blood is still running warm through our veins, we must, we must seek to faithfully fulfill our responsibility. And we can do this without fear because he's with us. He is with us. Now, some of you may be asking, why is it so important, preacher? Well, I'm glad you're asking. It's because there will be a day of reckoning. There's going to be a day of reckoning of how we fulfilled our responsibility. What I mean by that is, is really made clear here in the text. The man, the master of the servants, he returned you know, I'm convinced that people today just don't believe Jesus is coming back. They'll serve him. They'll have their names on, on church rolls, but they don't believe he's coming back. They don't believe he's coming back in their lifetime, so they're just going to go ahead doing what they want to do because he's not coming back. Well, this master came back. And the Bible says there in verse 19, he came back and he settled accounts with them. <laughs> the man did not forget the responsibilities he left to his servants. He hadn't been gone so long that it just slipped his mind. Now, you know, things have slipped my mind. Things have slipped your mind. But they're not slipping God's mind. He knows what he's called us to do. So this man, he came back anticipating that they had been faithful. 
And because of this, when the master returned, it was a time of rewarding. Listen, the servants who had, the servant who had received five talents, he had worked hard trading and investing and taking risks with his talents. And he doubled them. He doubled what he had been given. So when the master came to settle with him, he was able to present to him not five, but ten talents. And for this, he was rewarded. And we hear the Lord saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. And now I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. When the servant who had received two talents, when it was his term up, it was made clear, it was evident that he had also been working hard. He had been trading and investing and taking risks. You know what's interesting? Is he didn't work less because he had fewer talents. (laughs) somebody's thought about their workplace he didn't worry about what this man was given he just worried about what he had been given you know what to help a lot of workplaces if we quit worrying about the person next to you and how much they're making and start just worrying about the duties that you've been given well they've gotten promotion and I've been I've been here longer than them well maybe they've worked harder than you have since they've been there well I've got more education than them well education doesn't compensate for 15 years of experience when that experience knows exactly what to do and that experience is training you Uh, that's never happened in your workplaces that's never happened where you work no and if it was you were this person you're here you're a member reedy branch you're part of our church family you were this second you were this person here who got the second i mean the, the two talents you didn't worry about what the other got you just focused on yourself Lord, help us. Lord, help us. (laughs) He worked just as hard as the one who had received the five talents. And because of his hard work, he doubled the talents that he had been given. (laughs) So when it was time to present back to his master, he was able to present double. He gave him four talents. And he was rewarded the same Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Oh, it wouldn't seem like he deserved as much as the other in reward, but he received it. Because he focused on what he could do and let everybody else do what they could do. (laughs) These two servants, here's, here's what happened with these guys. They acknowledged God's gift and grace toward them. 
And they both said, you delivered to me. In other words, they were acknowledging that what they had was all because God had given it to them. Or their master had given it to them. It wasn't anything they earned on their own, but it was what was placed in their care. And so so these servants had received all because of the Lord, their Lord. So they had a sense of appreciation for what the Lord had done for them. They had some thankfulness for the privilege to be able to serve their Lord. They saw opportunity to be responsible that that was given to them and this gave them purpose. This gave them meaning for their lives. And because of this, they were bold in approaching the Lord. Behold, I have gained. Listen, when they said this, they weren't being arrogant. They weren't being boastful but instead they knew what they had done they knew how faithful they had been with what God had given them and these servants they love their master first John 4 and 17 says love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world in other words if we've been faithful to him then we can boldly come to his throne of grace I want us to know that when the master returns, it's not just a rewarding time. It's also a revealing time. Now, I hope I have your attention right now. When the master came back, there was some things revealed about the third servant. First thing that was revealed is his attitude. The attitude of this servant. This servant had the audacity to blame his master for him not producing. (laughs) You don't believe that. He said, look there in verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown. Gathering where you have not scattered seed and I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground he's blaming the Lord his Lord he's blaming him for him not doing anything now we wouldn't do that we're not going to blame others for what we fail to do so but that's what this servant done he blamed his master for not for him not producing. He he blamed his master for the decisions he made. He made the decision not to take the necessary risk to produce more, and he blamed his master. But it wasn't just his attitude toward his uh, his attitude, but it's also his attitude toward his master. The servant called his master a hard man. He thought the master was harsh and too stern. He, it seems to me that he saw his master as being unfair. Well, I want to let us know this. There's nowhere in the scripture that teaches us that God is fair. And there are many in this world who say that God's just not fair. Well, you know what scripture testifies of? That he is just, that he is faithful, and that he is righteous. And whatever he chooses to do, he spoke the world into existence. He created us out of the dust of the ground. He don't have to be fair with us but he has to be true to his word and his word says he's faithful he's just and he's righteous and that's who he is 
And you know what's funny to me? When you think about this, here he is blaming his master. You're too harsh. You're just, you're, you're, you're too stern. I weren't the best athlete. I worked my butt off so that I could compete. And when I got yelled at by a harsh coach, I worked my butt off to keep from getting yelled at a second time. When my daddy would come in from being out of town four days out of the week, tired from working construction 12 hours a day for three days and eight hours that next day, when he come in on a Thursday night after driving six hours to get home, I had done what I was supposed to do so that I didn't get yelled at. I stayed out of his way. I'd done what was called for me to do. You know, there, there, you know there, there's hypocrisy here with this, with that, with this uh, servant. Here he is. He, he's blaming his, his master for him not doing something when if his master was that harsh, he would have made sure it was done. Ah. Uh. You know, the fact is that this servant buried his talent in the sand and he did nothing to produce more. And that's indicative or it reveals the heart of this unfaithful servant. The master wasn't the servant's Lord. That's what's true. He wasn't the servant's Lord. (laughs) You're not with me. The servant could have just gone to the bankers and deposited the money and then he would have had at least the interest to give to his master along with that, with that bag. But he was just satisfied that as long as he didn't lose what he had, as long as he didn't lose what had been given to him, he thought it would be enough. Then he wouldn't have to work. He wouldn't have to take risks. And he could just do what he wanted to do. You know, the Apostle Peter tells us in the first epistle that the genuineness of our faith, it will be tested. He says our our faith, the genuineness of our faith is more precious than gold because gold will, it will fade away. But the genuineness of our faith, when it's tested by fire, it'll prove whether it gives praise, honor, and glory to Jesus Christ. Maybe that's why Paul was approaching, when he was approaching the end of his life, he could confidently say, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Therefore, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You know, Paul could say, I wasn't lazy. I wasn't idle. He didn't sit on, on his gift. He didn't. He did his best for the Lord. He didn't quit when they stoned him and left him for dead. He continued to take risks. He didn't quit when they beat him and threw him in prison. He kept taking risks. He didn't quit when he was shipwrecked. He kept taking risks. He didn't quit when he was snake bitten. He kept taking risks. And after being beaten, he kept taking risks. Paul wanted more than anything to please the Lord. He wanted to hear and say, well done. And I would, I would bet my life to everyone in this place 
that you want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'll make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I would guess that there's no one in here that that's not your desire. Regardless of where your walk is or whether you even have a walk with the Lord, that's your desire. Well, Rudy Branch, I wonder, do you ever wonder how our reckoning day will go? Because we're going to have a day of reckoning. Do you ever look back at your service to the Lord and just ask yourself, will I be rewarded? Or will my sin be revealed? The servant in this parable, his sin was not just that he was lazy and that he blamed the Lord. But his sin was that he refused to take a risk and do something with what he had been given. That was his sin. That's why, that's why the master was so angry with him. He chose to do nothing. Had he had took a risk and lost it, would have been better than him doing nothing. But he refused to take a risk. Can I ask us as a church family, are we willing to take the necessary risks to further the kingdom of God? I'm not interested in furthering my agenda or this church's agenda. But what I'm interested in is that we, that we together do what's necessary to win souls to the kingdom of God. Whatever God calls us to do, that we would be willing to take the necessary risks to become who God would have us to be. You know, it's not enough to, well, I've done some things for the Lord. No, have you reached your full kingdom potential? Has this church reached its full kingdom potential? I saw a week last week where we were so packed out, people were in the overflow room. No, we haven't reached our full kingdom potential. Well, preacher, we had a lot of guests. Yes, we did, but a lot of people that were here don't church nowhere, and they're not here today. So... Again, are we willing to take the necessary risk to further the kingdom of God? Are we willing to step out of our comfort zone and no longer be satisfied with maintaining what we've been blessed with, but instead take the necessary risk to multiply our blessings? Because when our blessings are being multiplied, then God is glorified and his son is magnified and more people will be edified. For us as a church family to do this, it means that what we want as individuals has to be put aside. And our focus must be on the Lord and the responsibility that he's placed in our lives. He has given us a responsibility. We must see this responsibility as his gift of grace And our privilege to be part of growing the kingdom of God.
18 years. And I told someone last week, how I feel like I've been here as a manager. You know what managers do? They just keep things going. That's what managers do. You know what leaders do? Leaders move things forward. And God has just pressed it upon me that managing just isn't going to be enough. That if we continue to just manage this place, that this place will one day be empty. So it's time to lead. You have leaders in this place. And we are to come side one another. And the vision that God has given, we are to work together to move forward. It must be done. If it's not done, then we will fail to fulfill our responsibility. Unsaved. You know, some of you have been sitting on the sidelines long enough. You failed to take any risk of trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And in failing to take the risk and trust in him, you're failing to receive what he has in store for you. He desires for you to serve him. He wants to use you to further his kingdom. He wants to use you while there's still breath in your body and blood in your veins. And I want to assure you, a day of reckoning is coming. We can't get away from that. And on that day, if you've not trusted him as your Lord and Savior, according to this passage... It will be a revealing time. You'll be cast into utter darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The good news is there is breath in your body. Blood is still running warm or you wouldn't be here right now. So my question is, Are you ready to take the risk? Knowing Jesus Christ as Lord is not a risk. It's a reward. I can tell you that, but you've got to believe it. The gospel says that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for the sin of the world, That he was buried in a tomb. And on the third day he rose out of that tomb under his own power. If you believe this with your heart. And you're willing to confess your sin to him. And you're willing to confess him as your Lord and Savior. You shall be saved. Well preacher what about all the do's and don'ts? Don't worry about the do's and don'ts. That's all you have to do to be saved. He'll begin a work in you. 
And he'll work until he completes that work in you. And he'll use the believers in this church to help in that work in you. It's not our job to judge. It's not our job to, to, to bring condemnation upon you or to even make you feel like you're convicted of something. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's our job to love you and to teach you and for you to become a disciple. That's our job. The rest is above our pay grade. And I'm learning more and more. I can't worry about what I can't do. All I can worry about is what I have been called to do. So I can't save anybody. Jesus can, and he will. I can tell you how to get to him, but he'll come to you. If by faith you make the move, he'll come to you. As they begin this song of invitation, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If you're here today and you want to know Jesus Christ, As your Lord and Savior, pray with me, would you? You want to know. You genuinely are ready to surrender your life to him. Pray with me. God, I am a sinner. I'm lost. And I'm in need of a Savior. Right now, God, I call to you. I believe Jesus is your only begotten son. I believe he came to this world. And live the sinless life. I believe he died in my place for my sin. I believe he rose on the third day and he is with you at your right hand. So God, I receive him today. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me white as snow. God, I thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that Jesus is my Savior. Help me now. Help me to grow in your grace and to tell this world about your love. Help me to tell this world about the mercy that I've just received. In Jesus' name I pray. As the church continues to pray, if you prayed this prayer, you were sincere praying this prayer, and you believe Jesus has saved you today, as they sing, would you come? Come and just tell me that today you have been saved, that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you today? Would you come?